if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Camilla Winshaw is our equine industry expert today. We've had Camilla on before. She's a highly experienced equine naturopath and um, based in Victoria. She um, consults locally, nationally and overseas. If you do want to talk to her, we'll give you contact details at the end of the chat or let's just go to horsechats.com and search for Camilla. Today, Camilla's going to talk about considerations with horses with ulcers, which I think is an important topic for people who've got anything to do with caring for horses, and I, I presume that's sort of most of us. But before we get started, I'd just like to remind you about the values. So horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance when humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans and we only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers in all our courses. Internationalhorsecollege.com, Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now, Camilla, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Glennis. How are you? Oh, very well, very well. Camilla, we're going to talk about considerations with horses with ulcers today. Is that right? That is right indeed, I do believe. But look, I've got a question for you because... You know, I've been in horses a long time and, you know, I can remember even just as a young child reading books like Black Beauty. You know, I don't think Black Beauty even talked about horses with ulcers, but it seems to be so prevalent today. You know, what's the go? Is it becoming more common or can you just, before we get started, tell us about that and why do ulcers occur? Is it a 21st century thing or has it always happened we just didn't know about it? Tell us a little bit more. That's a great question, Glennis, and certainly ulcers, or if we talk about equine gastric ulcer uh, syndrome, we're talking about ulcers uh, largely in the stomach, although we do know that we can, ulcers can get ulcers in the hindgut as well, but for the for the purpose of figures and facts and considerations, we'll focus on gastric ulcers. We know that anywhere from 50 to 90% of all horses, and it depends on the population of horses we're looking at, but 50 to 90% of horses have ulcers, gastric ulcers, which is a huge, huge proportion. Um, the reason we know or we're more aware of so many horses having ulcers in this day and age um, compared to time past is we're much better at both looking for them and detecting them on scope. And the other thing is many of the factors that contribute to them, which we'll touch on in a minute, are more common or occur more often in this day and age than in the past. So it's a combination. The reason they're so prevalent now is a combination of a greater awareness and a greater ability to look for and diagnose ulcers, combined with some of our um, management and uh, feeding practices. So... Whenever we've got horse with ulcers, we need to look at what dietary and management factors contribute to ulcers because gastric ulcers in horses are largely a result of these two factors. One of the most important factors which contribute to ulcers is insufficient fiber in the diet. 
particularly our long stem fibres that require a lot of chewing, so hay and grass, and for some of my overseas clients, haylage. And a thing that ties in with this is lack of grazing. Um, the reason fibre is so, so important, particularly that long stem fibre in regards to ulcers, is that it requires a lot of chewing. Now, whenever a horse chews, they produce saliva, and this saliva is really, really important in that it contains bicarbonate buffers, which help to protect the GI, so the gastrointestinal lining. So it helps to buffer the lining of the stomach against the erosive effects of hydrochloric acid, which a horse, unlike humans, who produce hydrochloric acid in response to feed or eating, horses are constantly producing hydrochloric acid, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. So we've got insufficient fibre and lack of grazing. We know that stress plays a role in the development and the maintenance of ulcers in horses. Um, this is probably through several def- different mechanisms. So stress produces cortisol in the body, which causes changes in blood flow and changes in inflammatory mediators, which can contribute to the development and maintenance of ulcers. Um, and we also think that some of this stress in some horses leads to increased uh, musculoskeletal tension and increased pressures in the gut, which may push push acid up in the gut and contribute to ulcers. We know that gastrointestinal microflora, so that's the largely bacterial balance throughout the gastrointestinal system, we know that imbalances or what we might call dysbiosis leads to or has a role in the formation and the persistence of gastric ulcers. Um, factors which contribute to dysbiosis include low fibre diets and stress, the use of particular medications, um, highly concentrated diets and high-grain diets in the absence of sufficient fibre. Um, we're also well aware that medications can contribute to the development of ulcers, so things like NSAIDs, which include and flinixin. Um, antibiotics can indirectly in that they will affect the gut microflora and again that has a flow and effect which can result in the development of ulcers and ironically and again this is something I'm sure we'll touch on later in the chat is that ulcer medications can contribute or perpetuate the cycle of ulcers so that's a really important consideration. Um, we know that Strenuous exercise can contribute to ulcers. This can be through several mechanisms. Changes in gastric pressure, so horses undertaking strenuous exercise will have increased intra-abdominal and increased intragastric pressure. So what this means is acid is pushed through um, up in the stomach into areas where there's no protection in the stomach lining. Um, We know that strenuous exercise results in patterns of blood flow um, in the gastrointestinal tract and particularly the gut, which again can contribute to ulcer formation. Um, Strenuous exercise promotes changes in cortisol levels, which again can contribute to our ulcers. Another factor which can contribute to ulcers is withholding of feed and water. Again, if we're thinking of racehorses and horses that are competing that are having their feed and water withheld for to minimise the weight they're carrying around, um, that certainly can contribute and does contribute to ulcers for many horses. We know that transporting horses, particularly long distances, 
is associated with ulcer development. So again, most times we're transporting horses long distances, they're having feed and or water withheld. And there's also that stress associated with travel. And I think it's important to remember that even some of our horses that may appear quite calm can still experience stress. They might just not be outwardly demonstrating it. Severe systemic illnesses, so things like laminitis or viral infections have been associated with ulcer development. And I think one of the really interesting ones that some research has shown recently is that horses with increased body condition scores, so horses that we might think are fatter or more well-to-do, have been shown to have an increased ulcer risk. And I think that's really important to remember in that so often we think of horses that have ulcers as being the skinny, poor-doing horses with a stark coat and just not looking like they're thriving. So again, we can have horses that outwardly look quite well, but who do have gastric ulcers. So they're just some of the many, but um, probably some of the most important reasons why ulcers do occur. Yeah, it's a bit scary, you know, that your horse looks well, doing well, you know, that they've got ulcers. But I'm more worried about the medication, you know, saying that they can contribute to the development of ulcers. So how do these ulcer medications actually work? That's a great question, Glenna. So there are several different classes of ulcer medications on the market. Two of the most common classes are what we call proton pump inhibitors, which include the drug omeprazole, that can be our gold star treatment. Another medication which has been used in the past to a lesser extent is ranitidine, which is belongs to a class of drugs called our H2 or histamine receptor antagonist. So we'll focus uh, predominantly on our PPI, so omeprazole, given that that is gold star treatment. Now, the way omeprazole facilitates healing of ulcers, which it does, we know that we can put horses on ulcer treatment scope them before putting them on omeprazole, they have ulcers, scope them after um, their prescribed course of omeprazole. And not all horses will have their ulcers healed, but many will. This comes about because omeprazole shuts down or minimises the production of hydrochloric acid. Now, it's that hydrochloric acid, the presence of yeast in the gut, which is what erodes the gut lining, so erodes the gut wall, causing the ulcers. Now, the problem exists in that hydrochloric acid is a normal and essential product that the horse produces, so it's essential for normal, healthy digestion, and it plays an essential role in immune health. Now, if we are relying on ulcer medications, we are effectively taking away um, a substance which is essential for horses' normal digestion and health. As we talked about, uh, the reason why ulcers occur is because of the dietary and management factors that we are implementing which don't promote horse health. Ulcers don't occur because horses produce too much hydrochloric acid. Ulcers occur because we are not providing the right environment for the horse to be healthy. So we are feeding intermittent meals as opposed to allowing a horse to graze. We're holding, we're giving medications to change blood flow dynamics and taking away protective mechanisms from the horse's gastrointestinal system. So we are taking away 
them ulcerative medications we are taking away um, an essential component of the horse's uh, digestive and immune system. So the actual role of hydrochloric acid, you've said that it erodes the gut wall, but it's part of the normal healthy digestion, and it always seems to come up when we talk about horses with ulcers. Can you just go a little bit more in depth into that role of the hydrochloric acid? Sure. Hydrochloric acid helps to start protein digestion in the gut, so it helps to break down large molecules of protein into their amino acids. It also helps to kill some ingested microbes that would otherwise be pathogenic to the horse. So if we are feeding our horses uh, sufficient roughage and allowing them to graze and not withholding feed, the feed fibre, the roughage, provides both a physical barrier in the gut, so it protects the lining of the gut from the erosive action of hydrochloric acid, as well as promoting chewing in the horse. So again, the more chewing a horse does, which occurs when they eat more fibrous feeds, because fibrous feeds on stem fibre requires a lot more chewing than our concentrates and our grains, so therefore they produce more saliva. These help to protect the gut lining, the gut wall, from the erosive effect of hydrochloric acid. Now, if we don't give our horses sufficient fibre and they're not chewing enough, we take away those protective mechanisms from the gut lining. So that is where hydrochloric acid is able to erode that gut lining. If they have fibre in place, normal blood flow to the gut, and you know, addressing any of those potential causative factors, then the hydrochloric acid is not a problem. And without hydrochloric acid, we don't have proper digestion. The feed that should be starting to break down in the gut then leaves the gut not properly digested, passes into the small intestine, where again, digestion is hampered because of changes in pH. Now, throughout the whole gastrointestinal system, there are different levels of pH which help um, facilitate different stages of digestion. If we have shut down the production of hydrochloric acid in the gut through the use of meprazole, we are not only changing pH in the gut, we are changing pH right throughout the gastrointestinal tract, um, which is going to change digestion right throughout the whole, whole GIT. So if we interfere with that first stage of digestion, then we are interfering with the whole digestive system. Um, that pH throughout the gastrointestinal tract is really, really essential to maintain the healthy gut microflora. So, again, if we use our PPIs, if we use our omeprazole, we change the pH in the gut, which then changes pH right throughout the digestive system. That can result in some of those healthy microbes which are needed for normal digestion. They're needed for normal immune function in a horse. We also know that those healthy microbes help to counterbalance inflammation, reduce inflammation. We also know that those healthy microbes play an essential role in the production of neurotransmitters, so the chemicals that help dictate a horse's mood and behaviour and learning. If we go and change the pH in the gut through shutting down the production of hydrochloric acid. There is a flow on effect right throughout the gastrointestinal system. So we really, hydrochloric acid is absolutely essential, um, not only for digestive health, 
but also inflammatory media control, immune health and a horse's mood and temperament and behaviour. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. You talked about the gut microflora. Can you talk a bit more specifically about the disruption of the gut microflora? Sure can, Glennis. So it's an interesting one in that it's a bit of, it has both um, a cause and effect role in ulcer. The microflora is not in great balance. It can contribute to ulcer development and ulcer development can contribute to, from our understanding, disruption in gut microflora. So as I touched on before, our gut microflora, horses' gut microflora, has a significant role um, in immune function, um, in reducing inflammation, and in the production and function of neurotransmitters, the chemical messengers, which play a huge role in a horse's mood and behaviour and temperament. Um, gut microflora in the higher class also has a significant role in digesting fibres in the horse. So, again, a lot of digestion takes place um, of different substances in both the gut and small intestine, but fiber passes uh, digested down to the large intestine where it's fermented by these microflora. And that's normal and we want to be promoting that. The fermentation of this fiber by the microflora results in the production of what we call short-chain fatty acids or volatile fatty acids, which are a really important energy source for the horse. They, in turn, also help to keep promoting that healthy microflora balance, particularly in the hindgut. And these gut microflora also, gut microflora in the hindgut specifically, synthesize or produce B-group vitamins in the horse, produce biotin. So if we're thinking hoof health, and it's no coincidence that we see horses with really poor hooves that have really bad gut health, and those microflora also synthesise vitamin K, which has many roles, but is essential for bone health. So disrupting that microflora at any level will affect a horse's overall health. I'm just going back, you know, you said about the normal healthy horse. It looks healthy, might have ulcers, but, you know, often ulcers could be associated with poor doers. And these poor doers, have you got hints? to put condition on these poor doers that have got ulcers? What's the best way to get them looking a little better, looking a little health? I mean, of course we want to treat the ulcers, but we want them to put condition on as well. Have you got any hints for that? That's a great question, Glennis, and it's something I commonly see um, in practice in that people make the mistake. They've got a horse that's 
looks to not be doing well, is in poor condition, and their immediate reaction is to give the horse more and more and more high-concentrate feeds, high-grain feeds, make meal sizes larger in the effort that thinking giving these high-energy feeds will help promote weight gain. If these horse, their basic fibre needs, which, again, we know fibre is so essential for overall healthy digestive function, for helping get those gut microflora healthy, um, for maintaining the integrity of the gut lining. If we don't address these factors, and, again, one of these most important factors is giving sufficient fibre in the diet, then we're fighting a losing battle. So if we don't have those really healthy microbes in the gut, the horse isn't able to properly digest and utilise all this feed that you're giving it, um, feeding highly concentrated diets in the absence of sufficient fibre will further disrupt that microflora balance in the hindgut because the feed will pass through largely undigested, so it then relies upon the hindgut to ferment it, and we only want the hindgut to be fermenting fibres. So it's kind of a really vicious self-perpetuated cycle. And again, the way to break this cycle is to focus on making sure that our long-stem fibre forms the basis of the diet in addition to making sure we are looking at promoting a healthy gut microflora and providing nutrients and the right environmental conditions to facilitate healing of the gastrointestinal lining. I think it's really important for people to bear too, that again, often these horses are the poor doers, they'll put on meprazole or ulcer medications and at the same time feed them up more and more, so feeding highly concentrated diets. Now, if we've taken away that hydrochloric acid and changed the whole pH of the stomach and GIT, all that feed you are giving your horse isn't able to be properly digested anyway. So it's it becomes quite a, uh, a compounded problem. Just want to go back to the ulcer medication. I'm a bit worried because you you know they can contribute to the development of ulcers. But it's got to be pretty important then to get horses off the ulcer medications. Yeah, it's sure, Glenna. So there are instances where the use of ulcer medications may be appropriate, uh short term use, but there should be no reason why horses are maintained on ulcer medications long term and they come with risks from everything we've discussed before um, in the way that they change digestion and effectively interfere or, you know, hamper digestion, um, the changes in the microflora balance, corresponding changes on immune function and neurotransmitter production and function and inflammation. A really important thing to realise too is that if a horse can't properly solubilise some of the minerals and nutrients it's taking in, which again, pH plays a really important role in that and hydrochloric acid plays a really important role in that. They are not able to digest um, and absorb some of those critical nutrients. So if we're even just looking at things like calcium, we know that the long-term use or even the short-term use of the meprazole inhibits calcium absorption or reduces calcium absorption. And the same would be true for other minerals, just that calcium was this particular one that we've studied. So if a horse isn't able to properly digest, absorb and utilise those nutrients, 
both nutrients aren't there for essential bodily health and function. So again, you look at immune health, you look at bone health, the musculoskeletal health, you look at tendon health. Where is the horse getting the nutrients for those health parameters from if it can't properly digest and absorb its feed? So again, if we want our horses to have their optimal nutritional status and optimal overall health, they cannot be on um, our proton pump inhibitors, our amiprazoles, our gastric ulcer medications long-term because it severely reduces absorption and utilisation of those key nutrients. So what's the best process then? You know, say we've got a horse on long-term ulcer medication. We want to get it off. What's the best, pro? you know, is it cold turkey? Is it weaning off? You tell us, what's the best process of that getting them off ulcer medications? Because I'm sure there'd be quite a few varieties of doing it, but what's the best way? So I always prescribe a treat, the individual horse in front of me. So it will vary somewhat between horses. Um when taking their full case history and how long they've been on their ulcer medications. But I always adopt a step-down approach. So gently weaning the horse off an ulcer medication step-by-step while simultaneously providing nutraceuticals, so nutrients that help facilitate healing. And where appropriate, where a horse isn't in high-level competition or it isn't racing, so it's out of season, I'll look at the use of specific herbal medicines to facilitate healing of the gastrointestinal lining while simultaneously promoting a healthy microflora balance. So we want to gradually come off the ulcer medication step by step as opposed to withdrawing them straight away. This gives the gut environment a chance to heal and one thing, there needs to be more research done in this area, but one thing that happens in some horses is if suddenly take away ulcer medication, particularly a horse that's been on one long-term, we believe that their bodies can have what we call a rebound effect. So if we take away the medication, suddenly in response, the horse will produce really, really high levels of hydrochloric acid, well above what a normal healthy horse would produce before levelling off. And if we have this really high production of hydrochloric acid, that again puts the horse at risk of getting stuck in a self-perpetuating ulcer cycle. These causative factors, how can they be addressed? So again, whether we've had a horse on ulcer medication and we're having it off it with a step-by-step approach, or you've had a horse with ulcers, they're now being treated and they're healed, if we don't address the causative factors, so whether that is insufficient fibre in the diet, whether that... Um, horse who's overly stressed, whether that's a horse who is not grazing a lot, whether that's use of ongoing use of medication, so ongoing use of things like beauty. If we don't address the factors that contribute to the ulcers developing in the first place, then the horse will develop the ulcers again. So again, just looking at why a lot of people's horses, um, they'll have their horse scoped, They'll have ulcers, so they'll put them on their course of ulcer medication. They'll have the horse re-scoped. I've showed that the ulcers are healed, so then they'll get the green light to come off the ulcer medications. And then I wonder why down the track, again, their horse is just those same signs and symptoms. They have them re-scoped. They've got ulcers again. 
if you don't change the very factors which contribute to, to the ulcers developing in the first place, then they will come back again. So it's really, really important um, for long-term health of the horse to address those base, basic practices which promote good gut health. So would you recommend just some sort of holistic approach? I mean, we all want to do the best by a horse. We want to treat the ulcers or prevent them. So if you get some sort of holistic approach to both prevent them and treat them, what would you recommend there? Certainly, Glenna. So again, I'm always prescribing to the individual horse in front of me and the factors which have contributed to the development of its condition and in this case, it's ulcers. So again, I'll take a really, really thorough case history, um, history of the horse, of its diet, of its level of exercise or competition or lack thereof, depending on what's going on with the horse, and address those factors. Often, again, I'll use specific nutraceuticals and herbal medicines, depending on the horse. But from an owner's perspective, some of the biggest and best things you can do is making sure uh, that your horse receives a minimum of 1.5-2% of its body weight in dry matter daily. So when we're talking about that, we're talking about our long stem fibres, so things like hay, um, pasture turnout, both which require a lot of chewing, uh, a lot of saliva production and providing that beautiful environment both in the gut and throughout the whole gastrointestinal tract. So one of the biggest things I say is graze, graze, graze or allow your horse to have access to forage continuously. One factor which often gets overlooked is for those listeners who are riders, who are competing, particularly the higher level you're competing at, the more important this is, is to make sure you have structured, periodized um, training and competition plans in your horse. Now, depending on when your listeners are tuning into this podcast, this could be quite a challenging topic at the moment given um, we're amid COVID and the direction of when competitions may or may not resume um, is a something that we don't necessarily have information about at this stage or control over. But in saying that, we need periodised training programs to allow our horses to have times of the year where they're under less pressure, when they're under less stress, um, to help reduce those cortisol levels, to allow better blood flow to the gut, to allow, um, to prevent um, the development of ulcers. So again, um, structuring and periodization of training and competition um, is really, really important. Another thing when looking at treating ulcers holistically is make sure that you're not just following a cookie-cutter program um, off the internet, off Google, or just using any old products. You really, really need to have a specific treatment plan and how you go about it and what nutrients and herbs, if, if relevant, that you're going to use to treat, treat ulcers or help prevent them. And what about the ulcer supplements? Are they magic or is that just a myth that the ulcer supplements aren't, you know, the be-all and end-all? So as much as we'd all love to hear that there's one magic supplement we can give our horse that prevents ulcers, you can't out-supplement 
poor management or dietary practices and the poor use or the inappropriate use of medication. So there is not one supplement that you can divorce that will prevent ulcers, in my opinion, that should be used. So it's about addressing those key factors which may contribute to ulcers and the key factors which result in ulcers being sustained. That's not to say that specific supplements don't have their place at times because they certainly do, whether it's short-term use to help prevent ulcers while a horse is concurrently on NSAIDs or is in a stressful situation. And again, there are times where specific use of specific supplements is really, really beneficial in promoting healing. But there is no magic supplement that a horse should be on that maintains or prevents ulcer, um, ulcer development long-term. I think, I think that I know for many owners that where they get in a nasty cycle with our conventional ulcer medications, so constantly having their horses on omeprazole and the like, using that as if it's a safety harness, turning a blind eye or not being aware of the health consequences of staying on a proton pump inhibitor long-term. So there is no magic supplement. It's about identifying and addressing causative factors and making sure we implement strategies to address those. Camille, the depth of information you give, you know, it's just, it's not just about ulcers, but so much more in the science behind it. And um, I think that, you know, that should be very educational for our listeners. You know, I think your um, qualifications, your background and everything else, I think if people have got specific questions about their horse, which I'm sure they do, you know, because you said it's not a cookie-cutter approach. You're able to be contacted, aren't you? Is it through Optum Equine that, that is the best way? It certainly is, Glennis. So um, I can jump onto my website, which is all the w's.optumequine.com, um, Optum Equine, all one word. They will find me, or Optum Equine, both on Facebook and Instagram, again, just under the name of the Mequine. Um, and all those uh, lines of social media as well as my website, um, con- my direct contact details, so email and phone number are available there. So look, certainly do get in touch, whether it's ulcers or any other health condition because uh, we all love healthy horses. We all love um, horses that are performing well and feeling good and it's my job to help promote that help uh, help horse owners and riders and trainers and managers help them achieve achieve the very best of health and performance with their horses. So even if you don't want uh, a consult or you're not after specific advice, you will find some of the posts uh, and things I put on my social media in particular just provide some really useful um, information and points to consider Similar, that's been absolutely brilliant. And just remember, too, that those details are on horsechats.com. Just go to horsechats.com, search for Camilla for We Sure. Or even if they go into ulcers, you know, I think if they search for ulcers, they'll contact you. And the details are at the bottom of all the pages as well. So, you know, I've got to say thank you for spending the time to come on. I think that's been brilliant. And, um, We'll chat to you very soon again, I'm sure, with some more of your very valuable information. Thanks, Camilla. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Lena. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 
If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 